Hey, everybody, it's Preston here. Hey, guys, it's Clay. Before the show starts today, we want to tell you really quickly about this very cool challenge that we have coming up for listeners of Freelance to Founder. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Something we've never done before. Never done it, but man, I feel like there's a huge need for it because we get on these calls with people and one of the most common things we hear from freelancers is how do I build in recurring revenue? How do I get predictable money every month, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's a big question that we always, uh, I always get. I know you always get. That's right. And so Clay, you guys know from listening to the show, Clay ran an agency that that crushed it on recurring revenue. I've built a couple of recurring revenue businesses myself, and we want to help you kickstart your own recurring revenue. 2021 is going to be your year for recurring revenue. So we're launching a five-day challenge where you can set up your first productized service. Yeah, and that's going to be five days that we're going to show you how to do it, going to give you a little bit of homework, and hopefully at the end of the five days, you'll have a plan to make uh, hopefully thousands of dollars in monthly recurring revenue. For example, in this challenge, we're going to teach you how to price your service product so that it makes sense to your clients and you can start making money fast. And we are actually going to show you how to make an irresistible monthly offer that your clients cannot resist. There'll be live calls with me and Clay. We're, We're super excited to connect with some of you who maybe are too shy to come on the show and have us highlight your business. These are private live calls with a small group. In fact, we're only letting in like 25 or so freelancers right now. So, I mean, to give you an idea, there are 10,000 people that are going to listen to this episode alone that you're listening to right now. So you don't want to wait. If you want to sign up, you can visit freelancetofounder.com slash challenge and claim your spot right now. All right, guys, we're serious about this. Please don't procrastinate. You will regret it. And like, you want to be a part of the first 25 OG original members of this five-day challenge (laughs) because it's going to be the first 25 that are going to be so ahead of the game. Listeners of Freelance to Founder can save 30% on this challenge with promo code podcast. So again, visit freelancetofounder.com slash challenge. Enter the promo code podcast when you sign up and you'll save 30% right away. They're going to go fast, you guys. Don't wait. (laughs) So many freelancers want to figure this recurring revenue thing out. And genuinely, we just hope you're one of them and that you'll join us for this fun challenge. Uh, Thanks so much for indulging us. And now on to this week's episode of Freelance to Founder. Hey everyone, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. Every week, we sit down with freelancers like you for actionable coaching calls with one mission. To help you ditch the feast-famine lifestyle. And build your own sustainable business. At one point, we were both brand new freelancers, barely making ends meet. But by now, we've started, grown, and even sold a few businesses of our own. And we want to help you do the same. If you're ready to go from freelance to founder, then join the army of freelancers who are taking matters into their own hands. Visit freelancetofounder.com to apply for your own on-air coaching call. And now, get ready to take some notes because an all-new episode of Freelance to Founder starts right now. On today's episode, we mix it up a bit with Craig Solid. He's a consultant in the healthcare space, which is admittedly an industry we haven't talked about on the show before. But what we realize is that the laws of freelancing really apply to any freelance situation, regardless of your industry. Craig's business is going well, and he's trying to figure out how to better serve his clients on an ongoing basis and potentially find some subscription revenue in there as well. But what we uncover is a potential mismatch between the target client and product offering. 
This leads all of us into a much needed conversation about offering the right services for the right people at the right time. It's an eye-opening episode for freelancers and agency builders at any stage, and we're gonna dive right in with Craig right after this. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of Freelance to Founder. I'm joined as always by my friend Clay Mosley from getdripify.com. Hey Clay. Hey, what's going on? How's it going, man? Good, good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. We're also joined today by Craig, uh, who is going to tell us a little bit about his freelance business. We're going to chat about where his freelance business is headed. I think it's going to be a good conversation. Craig, welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're up to Right now, what your business currently looks like? Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm an independent consultant in the healthcare space. Um, I uh, do a lot with data driven aspects of research and quality improvement, um, and I work with a variety of individuals and organizations on anything and everything related to you know data and analysis and measurement and evaluation. Wow, that that's a lot. <laughs> Way above my head in terms of intellectual. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't live in that space at all, but I'm glad there are people that do. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of it is just translating, you know, technical things into real life situations. Hmm. So, you know, how does a physician actually improve care? What do they measure? What do they look at? And, you know, th- that has real implications. So it's not as sort of high level as you might think. <laughs> I do love that. It, it seems like it does have a real positive impact in the world, though. Yeah, I mean, most of the groups that I work with are either individuals or smaller, sort of mission-driven, community-based organizations. So they are trying to really improve, you know, how how patients are cared for. Yeah, killer. And and how long have you been uh, doing this as a? Uh, so so are you doing it full time as a freelancer? I am. Um, yeah, I am. Um, I started part time back when I was uh, uh, a health services researcher. Um, about seven years ago, I started part-time. And then about five years ago, I went full-time. And so I've been doing it full-time since then. Okay. Well, congratulations. That's a long time. That's great. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. How does I'm just curious, how does one get into this field? <laughs> <laughs> great question. So I uh, went to school a lot. So I have a master's in statistics and a PhD in health economics. And I worked for a nonprofit research foundation for many years. And through that process, just made connections and, and always wanted to go off on my own. And so, so that's kind of how this started. And then it just sort of snowballed from my, uh, you know, first attempts. So lots of, lots of reading books and going to school. Yeah. I mean, it's also, you know, a lot of learning. So I don't have a clinical background, but I've had to learn and pick up on different diseases and different conditions and how people are treated and things like that. So it's about curiosity and empathy and, you know, trying to understand, um, you know, how I can help people who are trying to uh, help care for patients. And so who, who primarily are your clients then? Like who, who mostly pays your bills? Well, it's kind of a variety. So I will work with individual physicians who are, for example, trying to go after, you know, grant funding. I'll work with, um, you know, startup companies in the healthcare space who want to convince 
a health plan to pay for their product or service. You know, there's there's data driven things that can be done to show that there will be a return on their investment if they if they pay for that that sort of thing. Um, you know, it really kind of runs the gamut. And this can be things on like like, like what like equipment purchases or uh, uh, or if they decide to provide a new service is that that kind of thing. Yeah, it depends. So, um, so there are a lot of, you know, patient education groups who say, hey, we'll teach your you know, health plan members how to manage their chronic condition better. And when they do that, they'll go to the doctor less and it'll save you money, but you'll have to pay for the class up front. So, or there are devices that help people with certain needs or, um, you know, cognitive impairment, um, you know, assistance models, caregiver burden models, you know, for people who are taking care of elderly parents, things like that. So, it really is kind of situation cool. specific. Um, so this is a very specialized uh, industry, at least from <laughs> from my uh, my knowledge. Um, it sounds like it's something that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounds like something that not a lot of people know how to do, which means you probably get to charge a good chunk of change to do it. Uh, that's. Uh, I think it depends. So there are people like me on staff at the larger organizations. So pharmaceutical people have me, people like me on staff and large health plans. So the groups that you're right, who don't have people like me on staff, you know, need me. Uh, these are smaller groups, community-based organizations, often nonprofits or fixed funding. So they need analytic support. Uh, unfortunately, they can't always afford it because if they could, they would have someone on staff full-time. So that's been sort of the push and pull as I know it's worth a lot, but the groups who really need it don't always have the means to be able to pay for it. And the groups who have the means to pay for it are already paying for it, usually through a full-time or part-time employee on staff. Yes. And sometimes they might need, you know, enhancement or, you know, they, another set of hands to help. But sure, yeah. but, but typically that's, you know, they, they have it covered in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, you know, we were talking before we pushed record on this episode how uh, different your experience might be from who we talk to more traditionally on the show, which is more along the creative lines, like writers, illustrators, designers, marketers, developers. But um, but we all agreed, you know, the the laws of freelancing or, or, or the rules that govern how to grow a freelance business and how to scale it to something bigger than just yourself, it, it really, they apply regardless of the industry. Like, you don't have to be a creative. There are hundreds of thousands of other things you can do as a freelancer and that people do as a freelancer. So I appreciate you coming on the show today so that we can dive into someone who's maybe not in as traditional of an industry as we typically have on this show. Of course, you know, it depends on what circles you run in, how traditional this seems, but certainly to Clay and I, it's less traditional than, than who we typically talk to. I want to, I want to talk about where your business is headed. So longtime listeners of the show know that we ask every guest to fill out a questionnaire before they come on. So thank you for doing that, Craig. Um, you, you put on our freelancer to founder scale, one to 10, one being a freelancer, 10 being a founder, you put that you're currently a one, uh, that you're a freelancer, um, that you do everything yourself basically in your freelance business, but that you'd like to, in the next six to 12 months, move up a few points on that scale up to a four. So walk us through what a four might look like in your mind. Like where would you like to be in six to 12 months in your freelance business? Sure. Yeah. So right now, yes, I'm a one. I basically, you know, I do everything myself and everything is customized. So 
every situation is different. Every client is different. You know, as you were asking me, and I'm trying to give you examples, I'm realizing, you know, they really do run the gamut. They're all over the place. So I'm looking to move to more of an advisory role more often. And I'm looking to perhaps uh, productize or sort of organize an offering that would be available to, to multiple organizations. So, so maybe not a, a class, but some sort of uh, you know, membership model or something like that where multiple organizations who typically have difficulty paying for this kind of uh, service would be able to access it. But I could do it in such a way that you know, is feasible for, for me as well. So I don't know that that involves other people. I think it just involves sort of a change in the structure of the model itself. Yeah, potentially a change in, in processes and what you're doing on a day-to-day basis. So if I'm understanding right, you're saying, you know, maybe it's educational, maybe it's training, but it's it's something that you, in essence, create once or create maybe a couple times of year, a time a couple times each year or, or update a couple times each year, but you essentially create it once, the bulk of it, and then you sell it to all of these uh, organizations that you're finding can't afford to pay you your freelancing fee. Um and they maybe subscribe for a monthly fee to to more training or something like that. Is that kind of the picture you're painting? Yeah, I mean, I think it not only would allow them to afford it, but I think it would actually be more beneficial. I mean, I, you know, like a lot of people in technical fields, I'm sure, I often see people who access my skills, whether it's me or someone else, in times of crisis or, you know, way later than they should have. And we often think things like, wow, if you had come talk to me six months ago, you know, you could have avoided this. So mm. I, I, I see a need where, you know, whether they scramble when an RFP is released and they have to hurry up and find someone to write a, uh, an analysis plan for them, or whether they collect a bunch of data and they go, oh, looks like we collected everything wrong. You know, there's there are things I think that could be offered on an ongoing basis to sort of smooth out the hiccups in the processes that they do and also in their budget. So I, I that's kind of where I'm going. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Um, can we back up a step? In, so I, I just want to get a clear understanding. So whenever you're you're doing, so I, I understand what you're trying to do with the the membership or the the that kind of stuff. Um, but whenever you're doing the like, if someone were to hire you as a freelancer, is that usually a one off project? It's not a recurring thing. It depends. I you know I have been on retainer in the past because you know we, I've done enough sort of repeat business. There are there are groups who I help them write. Uh, journal articles, for example, for for medical journals, and that's certainly a recurring thing because they write multiple things. Um, sometimes it's one off, but often it's an ongoing relationship, even though there might be several months or sometimes even years between mm. projects because they will need you know similar things down the road. So it could be reoccurring, but not recurring. So correct. correct. Okay, got it. So for the listeners that don't know the difference, reoccurring. Is just like it's a repeat buyer, but it's inconsistent. Recurring is like okay, I need this all the time, every single month. Um, okay, so that that makes a lot more. I just wanted to get a better picture of that. That's great. So, so what what are some of the challenges maybe that you're facing that we could help you with today, Craig? You know, we Clay and I have done the freelance thing where we're kind of each project is all over the map, like you're saying, where there's not no two are exactly the same. We've walked that path before. Uh, we've also gone through the process of systematizing, productizing, uh, kind of more of an agency style service. Clay's obviously grown an agency. 
um, quite large agency. And then we've both, uh, in the last five years, uh, built subscription-based businesses, recurring revenue-based businesses. So I think we maybe have a lot to offer. I, I'd like to hear maybe what you're struggling with in terms of taking the next step to, to moving forward with some of those plans you have. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's it's trying to figure out what's the the most appropriate way to meet the need that I see in, in my clients and my potential clients. Like I said, I, I see in my mind, I see that they could benefit from, you know, a lower intensity, more often engagement uh, than these sort of acute crises that they sort of reach out in. And so whether that's a membership model or whether that's, you know, a long-term retainer or whether that's a productized, you know, curriculum or course, I don't know. Uh, and so I think trying to figure out what's the best offering and how best to sort of uh, uh, figure that out and approach that. I'm, I'm currently piloting the idea of a membership model with two or three clients who know me, um, but I'm not really sure what I'm doing or, or how to sort of structure it. So anything along the lines that would sort of you know, help guide, how do I figure this out? And what could I try? And, and what should I be careful for? Or what should I look for? What's the what's the feedback from those two to three clients that you're, you've uh, t- kind of tested this with? Well, we just started and the, the initial reaction was sort of confusion. They're like, wait, you know, because what I was off, what I'm offering is basically unlimited access to me for advisory services. So feedback, you know, questions, whether it's a technical question or whatever. Um, and they say, well, so we can call you whenever we want to. And I say, yes. Um, and then the idea is that, you know, I would also provide access to templates and, you know, guides and articles and things like that. And so they're very excited, but I'm also getting the sense that they may not access it just because it's not part of their regular business day. Yeah. So, you know, they may not actually use it that much. A month may go by and they may, 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 well, we wanted to talk to you, but we had these other fires to put out. So I don't know that it's the best way to address it because there's no, all the impetus is on them in some ways to sort of use it. Now, so just a quick question. So when you say your clients, are you, who are, who, what individual are you dealing with at these organizations? Yeah. So these are, these are three previous clients who I weren't, I wasn't engaged with currently, but I knew them and I reached out and I said, Hey, I'm piloting this. Are you interested? And they said, yeah, they're smaller organizations. So there's two or three people who are sort of at the executive director level or sort of at the higher level of deciding what happens and, and how it gets done. Um, you know, as opposed to the lower level people. So, um, in nonprofits, you know, the structure is a little different, but, but it's typically at the executive director level. Okay. So this is interesting. Um, I mean, I, so just the, the, so the feedback I'm going to give you, it just keep in mind the context of like, I don't know your industry, but I'm just going to tell you my experience with the, with what I think is happening. Um, so if these are like executive people and you said it right from the get go, confusion happened, right? So I always like, generally speaking, like, Nine and a half times out of 10, when there's confusion, no one buys. No one buys it. Um, And so like confusion equals uh, crickets. And so so that to me, that's an issue. Um, Also, just another thing that you got to think about is like who you're talking to. Um, So I, I maybe like the unlimited like 
consulting or like the fact that they can call you anytime might appeal to them. The the thing I have that I the thing I have an issue with that is is that your time is finite, right? So that you can't you can only scale it so far uh, unless you expand your team, and right. then they can call your team, right? Not just you. But the issue I, I you might have with this is like people might want to just talk to you, um, and so. Uh, with you being a freelancer, like you don't have that team and you can't just go hire a bunch of VAs, right? Like this is a specialized industry. Like you have this specialized knowledge. So there's a big gap right there. And then the third thing is when you're dealing with people like executives, they like to spend money. They, they spend a lot of money to save a little bit of time. Okay. So what that means is they're not going to go spending their time trying to learn how to do temp like like if you give them a template and blah 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 uh my bet my bet if if i were betting is they're probably not going to want to do that they're probably going to want to spend more money to save a little bit of time and so those are the issues i have with like kind of the way you set up the scenario um uh and that's what kind of what i've uh, experienced i don't know preston you got some feedback there have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to Hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. Yeah, I, I actually agree. I was jotting down a couple notes, and they're very similar to what you were saying, Clay. The 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 one about you know the second point you made, or maybe the third point, that whatever the most recent point was that you made about uh, about them saving time, saving effort too, uh, for that fee that they pay. Like right now, you're saying pay me a pay me a fee 
every month, and then um, all you have to do is call me. Well, they're paying you to then have to take action, right? You could, again, not understanding exactly how it works 100%, but you could potentially say, pay me this monthly fee, and I will call you every Friday for a quick check-in, see if there's anything I can do for you, um, and you know maybe I'll audit this other thing and, and give you an update on it every month or something like here, here's here's been my experience. So uh, I started as an experiment uh, a WordPress um, like website updating service. So basically, if you had a WordPress blog of some sort, you could reach out to our team uh, unlimited numbers of times a month and get something updated on your site. And it was a very low monthly fee. And people were doing it. But what I found more often was people were, anytime they turned down the offer, it was because they didn't understand what they were getting. This goes to this that confusion point that Clay was bringing up. They didn't understand what they were getting. And, and it wasn't until we added in like free backups and we noticed some of our competitors were offering like free backups, free updates, free this, free that, like stuff that they were doing on autopilot that wasn't that hard to do. But it was like stuff that they did without the client asking. Right. And so you're, you're asking clients to pay a fee and then to initiate all the work. And what they would rather have, if I had to guess, is pay a fee for you to initiate the work, tell them what needs done and then do the work. Yep. It saves them time and it saves them effort. So I, I guarantee like I can almost guarantee they're also asking, maybe not out loud, but in their minds, they're saying, OK, great, this unlimited service. But what if I don't call you like then I get nothing out of it? And that's a good way to bridge that to say, even if you don't have anything you have to call me urgently on, I still will back up your this or fix your that or update your this or send you this report or, or do this audit or whatever on a weekly or monthly basis so that you're still getting value out of your subscription. I don't know. Is any of this resonating, Craig? Where Are we headed in the right direction? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, I have talked to some of them about, you know, does it make sense, to, for example, to do, you know, an initial assessment. And part of that assessment is we have a plan. And over the first three months, we're going to carry out this plan, whether it's their plan is they want to, you know, utilize the data they have in-house better. What does that mean? Okay, what needs to be in place? Here are the systems. I'll help you, you know, implement them, things like that. So, so having a more structured sort of initial assessment. And to me, that's kind of where the line blurs between is it really a membership model or is it is it sort of a, a actual it's every it's yeah a more of a retainer model or right? a retainer model and, and yeah and how best to do that you know for me I'm interested in the recurring revenue obviously but also you know to 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 give them that access and and so I like that you know having specific things to that I would actually do that would be part of it even if they did nothing um, you know because you're right it's this subscription model is probably not the right term because I'm imagining, you know, eight to 10 to 12 organizations, sort of a club model, you know, tops. And then that would hopefully generate projects within the advisory, you know, part of it. But I, I think, you know, I've been thinking of, I know groups will outsource their IT support or their HR support and, you know, they can call with a crisis and things like that. So I'm trying to sort of figure out, well, what's the best way to meet this need that I see uh, and so this is helpful because, you know, you're, you're identifying things that I'm seeing as um, why it's not totally working. And so I'm trying to figure out, well, how should I change it so that it can work and, and will address their needs? Yeah, I think, um, I, I, I think it's like, so 
if I correct me if I'm wrong, but like the people that can that can afford you, like they're not they're not uh, they're not hurting for business, right? Or is that correct? Like they're they have cash flow to pay for your services, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they're not they're not like some like some uh, startup uh, organization where they're like bootstrapping, correct? Correct. It's the, but they often don't know what they don't know and they don't know what they right. need or they have a misunderstanding of what it takes. So, um, sure. Some of it is just getting in front of the right people, but I've, I've now gotten in front of enough people who say, yes, we'd love to do more of this, or we feel like we should be doing more with our data, but we don't know how to get started. Or, um, we, we don't like the process for how we create these reports or, or respond to proposals, but we don't know, we don't know how to fix that because none of us have the analytic background. So we need someone who, and then when they do engage with someone, they say, well, they just offer us a cookie cutter, you know, experience. We want someone who knows our organization, understands our mission, you know, and kind of Mm -hmm. gets us over a longer term. Yeah. Those are, those are, uh, uh, so premium, uh, what, what's the phrase? It's like people, 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 and not, uh, cheaple people. Uh, so so like that's what i'm saying like executives those are those are people people they 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 pay a lot of money to save a little bit of time your cheaple people pay they 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 spend a lot of time to save a tiny amount of money right so you're you're dealing with people people they they will spend some money to save a little bit of time and so like you know, providing those templates and things like that, or like cookie cutter experience, like that's not what they want. They want a service. They want a premium service. So um, one thing I would do, like a lot of people, it's so it's so fundamental, um, but it gets overlooked is I would straight up ask your clients and see what they want, what would make their life easier. And that's where you're going to, I think that's where you can find a potential uh, yeah, new it, it, it feels to me a little bit like you're trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole. Like you really want this sub- a subscription model of some sort, but the the clients you're talking to uh, want, like Clay is saying, a premium experience where they where you like you said you come in, you get to know the business, you really spend time. I mean, that kind of premium service is expensive, and so if they're not willing to pay the price for that. And or you don't want to do that kind of work, then you don't have a product audience fit yet. Like you don't have the right people, or you don't have the right product. And if you're if you're set on figuring out a subscription service or a membership service, you might have to go find a different kind of client. Not necessarily a different industry, but a different kind of client. A, a cheapo people. Yep, cheapo. The cheapos will uh, take that template all day long, <laughs> and they'll yeah. try to figure it out themselves. Yeah. So, so I think, you know, this originated, I often get asked by former clients and former colleagues, Hey, we have some questions internally. Would you be willing to just hop on a call and we can ask you some questions and I'm happy to do it. And I did it once, you know, recently. And after the hour it was, they found it super helpful. I just answered questions. And later I contacted the person who contacted me and I said, Hey, that seemed like that was really, really valuable. Like, how do I monetize that? How do I, you know, provide that. And, and so some of this has been generated through some of the conversations with these clients to say, well, we just like more access, or we need a little bit of help, or we need a little bit of guidance or uh, things like that. So I feel like there's a need there somewhere. I'm just having a hard time sort of pinpointing 
what exactly it looks like and 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 how to how to serve it. And that's also why you know I'm piloting this right now. I'm doing it for free for a couple of clients and basically saying I'm just going to ask you along the way, what do you need? What's helpful? What's not? You know, why would you use this? Why wouldn't you? To hopefully learn a little bit more about how this might work because it might not, but I know enough not to just launch a full scale thing without sort of testing mm. it. I, I will say though, I'm going to push back just a little bit on that. I don't think you should be doing it for free. I think, um, Same. I think your answers from your clients, the feedback you get from them will change dramatically when they're paying. Now you may not charge the full fee that you might charge later. You certainly could charge, you, you could charge a discount fee for the service, but, but I think attaching a dollar amount to the service that you're providing will dramatically change your experience with your clients. They might say, never mind, we're not interested anymore. That's a huge signal to you, right? That you've either got the wrong service or you've got the wrong client. Um, they might say, like, we can't afford that much. That, that helps you understand how budgets are working in that particular target audience. They might say, we're not getting enough for what we're paying, right? There are there are some sort of intrinsic uh, kinds of feedback that you'll get as soon as you're charging money. Not to mention, uh, you shouldn't be just giving this away for free just to learn. Like you clearly bring value. Uh, and if you don't, then you won't be able to charge long. So don't worry about it. But you clearly bring value. So you might as well be charging for it while you're learning. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And, and you know, I can talk to them about that. I, I think I have just been hesitant because I don't feel like I know exactly what the value, like, where is the value that I'm bringing? And so I think that I wanted to sort of get clear on that before I asked these groups who I know and have known for a long time to sort of commit to this. So, um, no, you, you got to ask them. That's how you find out. Yeah. yeah. If there's no value there, they won't pay for it. And, and if there is value there, then they pay for it. And that quickly identifies where the value is because they'll stop wasting their time on all the free stuff and they'll start spending their time on what they think they're paying for. And so in that moment, then all of that comes into alignment and you go, okay, they're paying money and they expect this in return. So this is the product. This is what I should be offering. And another thing too, like, so we're like, we're repeating, like ask, ask your clients, ask your clients, but also like another thing you got to look at too is what are the trends? So if you go back, I bet if you just sit there for like an hour and just think about this uh, across all your, all your current clients, all your old clients, what are the major pain points, the major pain points? And if there's like a common one, right? One that's like trending among most of them or a lot of them. Like if you can take that pain point and then create some sort of service around that or some sort of product around that, that just that one singular pain point, I bet you, you can sell the crap out of it. Yeah. I, you know, and I've tried to, I've tried to think about that. I actually uh, sent out a survey on LinkedIn and got some responses about, you know, targeting specifically groups who you, who had hired analytic support from outside their organization and sort of asked about what went well, what didn't go well. And some of the most common answers were things like, you know, we don't know at what point to bring an analyst in or, you know, kind of these, we don't even know what we don't know kinds of answers. And so that's why I felt like there was a need to say, Hey, they just need some guidance. They just need a little bit of help, a little bit of push in the right direction. And, you know, is this the way to do it? But, but maybe it's not, like I said, maybe the better thing is to just do a bunch of, you know, canned, uh, courses on, you know, 
analytic support 101 and put them out there for you know people to buy and learn and, and whatever i don't so that's 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 kind of where i'm struggling is i don't know exactly how to fill this need that there there seems to be okay so so okay let's 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 go back a second because it sounds like you okay who who let's go let's let me ask you this question who do you want to work with forget the products that you serve forget the services that you provide who is it that you want to work with that is absolutely fun to work with and profitable? <laughs> Those are often mutually exclusive. Um, I, you know, these again, these smaller groups who are mission driven, um, you know, trying to do things that are just in the best interest of the of their patients and things like that. Those are great groups to work with. Uh, the ones who are the most profitable are not those. They're the larger companies who need an extra pair of hands or, you know, need, um, you know, basically my credentials check a box for them or something like that. Those pay the bills. And then what I'm trying to do is develop these that I enjoy working with to be more of the the fundamental sort of core business. Hmm. So can, can the smaller groups turn into the bigger groups? Not typically. They not typically, not typically they're, they're, you know, they chase funding, uh, you know, they are donor funded or things like that. So they won't ever become the behemoth, you know, pharmaceutical company kind of thing. They're going to stay a small local, you know, you know, help their local community kind of thing. Um, okay. So on that, so you, you kind of have a unique situation where like someone like an organization will not grow into a bigger, like with growth. Right. So like, so those smaller organizations, would you call them they, they wouldn't necessarily be, would they be cheaper people or would they be premium people, people people? I mean, I think, I think it depends on the situation and what they're doing. I mean, they're, they, they, a lot of these people are individuals who, who do a lot of this on their own. They do multiple aspects of the business because their, their goal is the mission. And then they have to do some of these other aspects to make it happen. So they aren't always spending money to save time. They're sometimes doing things themselves. And uh, that's sometimes why they get into trouble. They write the survey themselves. They write the analyst plan, analysis plan themselves. They, you know, collect the data themselves without talking to someone who knows what they're doing. So um, I think it depends on the situation and, and sort of who I'm dealing with. But those are the ones that you, like the small organizations, those are the ones you love to work with, right? Those are the ones that I love to work with for this, I mean, um, so yes, th- that's kind of the target for this idea is that would be the group that this would be targeted for. Because people who ha- who have enough money have people like me on staff. Well, okay, so so well, just in general, like not not for a specific product, but in general, those are those the people you love to work with versus the larger larger organizations. Well, there are aspects of the larger, some of the larger organizations I I do like to work with. I mean, I do a completely different aspect, uh, you know, sort of more of the return on investment sort of financial side for, you know, some groups, you know, who try and sell to health plans and stuff like that. I enjoy that too. And that it might be that I pivot to that direction. That's what my book is actually focused on and things like that. I just see a need in this sort of smaller space that I would love to fill. Okay. So you could, you could provide two different services here. Um, I almost having two different product offerings. Um, so the larger organizations, you can provide this premium service, right? Where it's not a, a membership type DIY thing. Then the smaller organizations, you can come up with this new kind of product, um, thing, but I, I would be very clear, like, okay, 
if you're a smaller organization, this is what you get. If you're a larger organization, this is what you get. Um, I, 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 hopefully that's what you're going for. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I, I didn't really ever think that this sort of membership model would replace everything I do. I, I see it as sort of oh, got good, it, got I it. see it as kind of a good baseline. It, you know, through these conversations or through this relationship, it would potentially generate some specific projects with these groups. Like maybe when I helped them write a grant proposal, I would be on the grant. And if they got funded, I would get, you know, a project out of that. But I'd also seen that, you know, I would have other work with these other groups as well. So I'm just, it's not a shift of my entire model. It's trying to sort of provide the value that I, and, and fill the gap that I see for these, these particular groups who otherwise they don't work with because they can't afford what I have. I think that's really insightful, actually. I've seen that in lots of industries. Let me give you an example. I About a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I wanted to do some um, uh, some social media advertising, particularly with Facebook and Instagram. I've done that professionally, so I have a background in it, but I didn't have the bandwidth at the time to do it. And so I called around a couple of places. Um, one place was very interesting. They gave me you know, a, a whole discovery call to try to figure out what I needed. Um, and at the end, we talked about my budget and uh, they ended up saying, well, we actually only take client. I don't remember what it was like. We only take clients who are ready to commit to $5,000 a month for a minimum of 12 months or something like it was bigger than I wanted to commit to at the moment. And um, and they said, but we have this um, course and workbook that will help you do what we do. So in that moment, I was admittedly being like the cheaple, right? I was, I was um, choosing <laughs> to save a bunch of money and try to do something myself. I didn't take them up on it because I already had the basic knowledge. I was looking for someone who could take over the actual tasks. But I can see how that could be valuable for someone who calls them and doesn't know anything about social media marketing, right? And then they say, you can't afford us right now, but we don't want to leave you high and dry. Here's something that you could use to try and do this yourself. My guess is a certain percentage of those people, it purchased the course. It's a free or it's not free. It's a premium course. So they purchased the course for a fraction of what they might pay the agency. But then my guess is there's also a percentage of those people who, after they take the course and can't figure it out for themselves, call the agency back and say, you guys really seem to know what you're talking about based on the course. I changed my mind. I'd like to hire you. So I th- I think if if the goal is not to make this your primary source of income, I think you could set up a funnel in that direction where instead of trying to find a whole new audience with a whole new fit, keep keep targeting your current audience for your um, current freelance work. And then anyone who can't pay your fees, you kind of funnel them off for secondary income uh, so that you're still helping them. You're still making a little bit of money, but it's not a drag on your time and your resources. Yeah, that makes sense. And that that's was one of my suspicions is that, you know, a, some sort of productized class or course or set of templates or something is a good alternative for people who can't afford, um, you know, what I do. And then, and then, like you said, it might turn into something more. I do have a couple of advisory retainers where I am just sort of paid to help them navigate a certain situation as opposed to doing it myself. And, and that has come out of these types of conversations. Well, to have me do it is this, but I could help you do it for, you know, slightly less or whatever. So um, that sounds like a, you know, a different 
model than the subscription model, but, but that's what I want to try and figure out. What's the best way to do this? Maybe it is what you say, you know, offering it as a, as a sort of alternative to, you know, a full scale engagement. Yeah. I think if you really want it, I keep hearing you say subscription model over so over and over again, it sounds like you really want to find a subscription model that works. And believe me, I get that and I'm into that and I believe wholeheartedly in recurring revenue on a subscription basis. Um, However, it it feels to me like if if you're really going to make that work, then your other stuff is maybe going to have to take a back seat for a while. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not. I mean, you know what? Maybe you're Superman, but it it just feels to me like building the kind of subscription model that you're talking about is going to require a lot of time and effort on your end and, and may cut into the other consulting retainer work that you have. I mean, I don't know. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, it might be. And it might just simply be that there's a handful of organizations who I end up entering into a long-term retainer with, and hmm. it would be sort of like the model that I'm describing anyway. That's what I think it, that's what I think it needs to be. Um, just from what I'm hearing, I think your uh, subscription, um, your, your recurring revenue model, uh, uh, I think it's more of a retainer. So like the way, the way I view it is, um, so, cause like whenever you onboard a client, the, the trust level there is not 100%. A lot of people think it is, uh, because they're handing money over. They, they signed on as a client. Um, I think it's more in the like 50, 60% range. Like they're just testing the waters with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, maybe that's like a one-off project. Okay. So what you do is you just blow them out of the water as far as like your service and like what you provide and you, you, you go the extra mile, so to speak. Um, and then what you do is you, you upsell them on a retainer. To me, that's the way to go. If you want to get a monthly recurring revenue, um, is like, okay, I, we did this one-off project. Hey, what do you like? I I'm looking at your organization. I think this monthly retainer option makes more sense for you guys. Uh, whatever that may be, like that's going to require some tweaking on your end to figure out, you know, what that includes to make sure that you have the scalability and and uh, to where it just doesn't take up a ton of your time uh, or all of your time, uh, where you're getting paid, you know, little, very little, but uh, getting paid very little, but taking up a ton of your time. Um, so you're gonna have to try to figure that out. But I think that's the way to go as far as like trying to get a recurring revenue model. Yeah, I mean, that seems reasonable. And I think it's similar to, to some of the situations I have currently. And I think it might just be having conversations with these groups who, you know, I, I'm piloting with and things like that to say, you know, hey, here's the need I see. Do you agree? I'm trying to figure out how best to fill it for you. It seems like this subscription model isn't working. You know, um, how, how do you see it or how do you feel? So, uh, um I'm learning as I'm going here and, you know, I'm encouraged sort of by this conversation because it sort of confirms, I think, what I've suspected and um, been sort of in denial for. But um, I I think that that I I should seriously consider just sort of shifting what I'm offering and how I'm offering it. Yeah, I I think uh, so. This is uh, so I'll tell you something that I do currently and it might work for you. Well, let me ask you a question. So these these monthly retainer, like, uh, providing this, and you may not know the answer to this yet, but, um, if you were to provide a monthly retainer service, how many clients, just you by yourself, can you handle every single month? Well, um, 
ballpark. Do you know? Ballpark, probably six to ten. Okay, so let's let's just say eight. Okay, um, so eight clients that you can handle. Um, and I don't know how many you have right now, but let's just say you only have four. So whatever your current rate is at the monthly the monthly retainer rate, you keep it at that rate until you reach eight. Okay, and then you once you reach eight people, uh, which is your capacity, what you do, what you can do is. Um, and I, I'm, I'm saying this because I think you're, you're, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think your field's so specialized that it'd be very difficult to just just go hire a team member to, to do this work. Um, so uh, what you could do is just you create kind of like a, uh, like a wait list. And so what happens is, let's, let's just say, I don't know what you charge, but let's just say your rate's $3,000 a month for these eight people. And then you have a little bit of a wait list. So if, if one of these eight people drops off, then if you have a wait list, the next person that you come in and replace, your your fee is maybe $32.50, right? So the bigger the wait list that you have, the higher your fee. And so that's that's just supply and demand. And so like um, if if your if your capacity is eight people, but you got a wait list of of ten people uh, wanting to do business with you, well, guess what the what guess what your the fee is going to be for those ten people when they, whenever they finally catch up and they're next in line, it might be $4,000 a month. And so that's a way to like have a monthly subscription model um, and make more money given the fact that you have a finite amount of time. Yeah. I mean, and in essence, that's kind of what I'm shooting for. You know, I think you just, you kind of described it sort of that model still does what I'm trying to, because when I was talking membership model, I was thinking eight to 10 to 12, people because if i'm going to be the advisor i can only do that for a handful of of people um so that that would accomplish the same thing it's just a matter of uh how best to structure that and how best to get in front of people because you're right when i do work with people it usually goes very well they're very happy i work in a field where you know a lot of people actually know less than they think they do because for whatever reason so after we have an engagement they go oh wow i learned a lot i realize there's a lot more to this than i thought you were great. This was great. You know, hopefully we can work together in the future. So I, I think there's the potential there for these things to happen. It's just maybe a matter of me identifying those and pursuing them. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it seems like at this point too, it's a matter of semantics, right? Like we started the conversation talking about maybe a membership model. Now we're talking about retainer model, but we're really talking about the same thing. And that is getting clients who are willing to pay you on a repeat basis for the kind of work that you're already doing. Um, it feels like, it feels like there's a lot to chew on from this episode. We maybe have, I don't know, two or three minutes left. Is there anything Craig that we haven't touched on that you were hoping we could touch on in the coaching call today? Well, I think just along, you know, on these same lines, you know, I, I do have a book out that, you know, published by a major publisher Springer. So I think that that could be part of, you know, whether these classes or, or retainer part of it. So, um, you know, any advice regarding how best to leverage, you know, a book book in that way, especially an academic one that was, you know, published by a major publisher would be would be great. I mean, for me, you could easily charge more than than the guy sitting next to you who hasn't published a book. Um, you know, all you have to all you have to do is use those credentials and, and all of a sudden you can you can increase your fees. I don't know if there's something more basic or, or less basic, I guess, than that that you're looking for. Clay, do you have any take? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think your industry, uh, and I don't know how you're getting clients, but I think, uh, 
your your so your industry is not like to the broad public. So um, I think you need to be relying on relationship capital um, to get new business. And what I mean by that is is uh, so the clients that you do have is making sure that they are ecstatic with your your service, which I'm I'm sure you're doing. However, um, I would also focus on on trying to establish relationships with people um, who have an influence over your target market and an ideal client, right? So um, I don't know who this could be. Maybe the, maybe there's like a a popular uh, conference that happens every year where all of your target market goes to. Um, and so maybe you want to get to know the person that actually hosts this conference. So that's, that could be an example, but when it comes, so going back to the book question. So, uh, the reason I'm bringing up relationship capital is because that's how you can leverage the book. And so what you do, if there's somebody that you want to meet that's influential, uh, over your target market, then what you do is you go stalk them on social media for a little bit, find out what they like to do. If they are executives, Let's just say they like to golf. They live in a country club, uh, live in a golf course community or whatever. They live in a country club. They like premium stuff um, and they love to golf. So you send them a premium set of golf balls, but then you also put your book in there, a signed book, right? So that's how you're going to get somebody's attention. And this doesn't have to be somebody brand. So you need to do this on both sides. You need to do it for people who are like, who have no idea who you are. Um, but also you need to do this for people that know who you are, but it will just make that relationship even more solid. So that way they can keep sending you business. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. There's some trade groups and, and certainly some conferences, not right now, but um, that you know I can leverage to do that for sure. All right. Well, I think that's, I think that's a great way to wrap up the episode. Um, Craig, I hope this has been a, a helpful coaching call for you. I, I know it's opened my eyes to a couple of ideas. Um, for some other freelancers that I've been working with as well. Uh, so uh, thanks so much for joining us on the call today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks for your help. Thanks, Craig. Take care. Freelance to Founder is produced by the team at Millo. Visit millo.co to level up your freelancing. And Dripify. Visit getdripify.com to become a bad A in business. Freelance to Founder is also part of the Podglomerate. You can check out more amazing podcasts at thepodglomerate.com. The theme music for this show was produced by Joaquin Carud. You can catch past episodes at freelancetofounder.com or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. While you're at it, we'd love an honest review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for now. Until next time. See ya. See ya.